Hey everybody, welcome to the Ironworks Podcast. I'm Pastor Tyler. And I'm Zach. And today we are concluding our series on spiritual disciplines. We've already been through several of these. We talked about the importance of reading the Bible, the importance of studying the Bible. We talked about prayer and fasting and meditation. And last time we talked about what we call the corporate disciplines, which were worship, fellowship, and stewardship of your finances and resources. And today we're going to be looking at what we'll call the active disciplines. And some of these categories are are sort of arbitrary because we hope that all of them are active and even the personal disciplines should be done corporately and and the corporate ones should affect your private life as well. So uh, today we're talking about active disciplines, meaning these are things that you actively do for somebody else and you can't really do them just unto yourself. So all of these categories, as I said, can kind of blend together. But today, there's there's really two. We've got a list of 10 that we've gone through, and there are others that add or subtract from this list. But um, active disciplines. So, Zach, wh- why is it that the Christian life cannot just be about me and cannot just be about the church? Why does it have to include other people for us to grow as a believer? Well, we kind of uh, talked about this a little bit last time when we were talking about worship, right? Where it can't just be you. You're not, you can't just be a Christian off in your own corner by yourself. And the same thing happens. That's why the church is gathered together to do those things, to worship, to encourage one another, to learn the word. The idea is not just to kind of, we, we talk about this all the time at our church. The idea is not just to come in here, have this event, have these friends, kind of have your own little group. It's, it's to be prepared to be you know, encouraged to be taught so you can go out to reach other people. That's, you know, Jesus from, from the beginning, Jesus said, look, he gives us the great commission. He says, this is the job now, right? You're, you're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you can get excited and, and have an exciting meeting just among yourselves. No, so that you can be filled with power to take the message out to other people. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we are disciples. We are imitators of Christ and the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve right? and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus said. And the Christian life is not just about becoming a better person. And the spiritual disciplines will help you do that. But when you want to separate spiritual and personal growth from your interaction with other people, um, that's that's not acceptable. And you're not going to achieve what you want without doing that anyway. I think that uh, maybe this is an internet generation thing, or maybe before that it was newspapers, and maybe before that, it was, you know, who knows? But we we tend to isolate ourselves, and we tend to look at how can I live my life uh, without other people as much as possible. You know, I'm going to be in my house. I'm going to order my stuff through right. Amazon. I'm going to order my food through Grubhub, and I'm just I'm going to stay in as much as I can, and I'm going to be online and watch TV, and and that's that's kind of one of the luxuries of living in the age in which we do. It's also one of the challenges. And I think that that makes these next two disciplines especially important mm-hmm. that you are interacting with other people, not just in fellowship, but this is specifically acting for somebody else. I mean, really, Zach, this comes back to love, doesn't it? We're supposed to be those that love. How how do you cultivate love for other people, for the lost and for those in the church? I think the best way to do that is to start doing loving things and then you'll see those things start to, to come about in your own heart. Yep. And that's why these are spiritual disciplines too, right? They're not just, they're not things that we do naturally. You don't, you, you shouldn't expect that you'll naturally be filled with just this desire to go like, you know, reach out to your neighbor and t- no, it's kind of an unnatural thing to do. Actually. It's not what your flesh wants to do. It wants to kind of just 
care for yourself and do what makes you feel good. So like you said, you, you, but you also can't wait around for those feelings, just like with the other disciplines we've talked about. Um, I think CS Lewis one time talked about how maybe, I think he was actually talking about his neighbor. He said, look, if you want to learn how to love your neighbor, he said, start acting as if you loved your neighbor, <laughs> start doing all mm-hmm. the things, you know, that you would do if you felt this love for your neighbor. And he said, what's going to happen is as you're serving him and praying for him and doing these things, the Lord is going to give you those feelings as you're obedient. And I think that's 100% accurate, you know, especially with disciplines like this where they're they're outside of our comfort zone and maybe even specifically outside of our, like, cultural comfort zone or the comfort zone of our time or whatever. Yeah, sure, it's easier to just not leave your house. But but taking <laughs> yes. that step, right, and saying, nope, I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to do this, even though it might be awkward at first. You'll find that gradually those, not only do the feelings come along with it, but as you gain experience in it, that feeling of hesitancy goes away because you're like, ah, we've done this before. It'll be weird for a second, but it'll be okay. Right. This is going to take you out of a consumer mindset in the church, Mm. and it's going to get you thinking about other people. And whether or not the feelings of love actually come, you're going to be loving people, and that's going to be the right thing to do. So let's get into these. We're talking about these active disciplines, these others-focused disciplines. And the first one that we're going to look at today is service. Service. And I mean specifically service in the church. Uh, Many people think, common misconception, that it is the pastor's job to do all the work at the church (laughs) or the staff or the delegated deacons or the board of this or that. And that is true to an extent. But if you read the Bible, in Ephesians, it tells us that the leadership's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The pastor's job, the elder's job, the deacons, whatever it may be, their job is through the teaching of the word, through the ministering of the gospel, through admonition and rebuke and encouragement. Their job is to get you ready to do the ministry to which God has given you. Paul wrote to one family in one of his epistles, he said, fulfill your ministry. We believe according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that there are works prepared beforehand that everyone should walk in and that God has saved us that we might do those things. We know that he has gifted us by the Holy Spirit so that we can impart grace to one another. And that that word for spiritual gift, uh, charisma, which is where we get our word Mm -hmm. charisma and charismatic, but it's got the word grace in it. It's derived from the word for grace, and that's why Paul uses that uh, so much. But a spiritual gift is you letting the Holy Spirit work through you. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 calls it the manifestation of the Spirit for the edification of all or for the common good, that you will impart grace to the other members of the body of Christ because you will be edifying them and building them up until they look more like Christ. So this is indispensable uh, in the community of the church for us to be serving one another. You have to do this. Right. And and I think it's a good point. I was actually just talking to somebody at our church about that. You know, uh, the other night at Wednesday night service, we were talking about um, just different things that needed to be done. And, we, uh, you know, we were discussing things and I was handing something off to somebody and they were saying, well, so this person could do this. And we were talking about how important it is for us to have that mindset of that this isn't a thing that most of us show up to receive that's being produced by a few of us, right? That's that's like this model of church that I think comes 
well, it doesn't really come from the church, right? It comes from like, like a, a restaurant model. Yes, or or, or an event, event, yeah, a retail or an event, you know, production model. Look, you've got your director, your producer, and these people put it all together and put it on on the day, and then they kind of collapse and, and go home, and they'll do it again next week, and we just show up to watch the show, right? And that's all very well and good for other things, but that's not what we see in the New Testament as a model. It's not what we see in the Old Testament as a model of how God's people worked. What we see is that God, you know, it's very clear in scripture, God gives each of these people gifts and that we can't be without anybody in the church's gift, right? Right. And speaking of the New Testament, the first time we start seeing this happen is in Acts chapter six. Uh, there was, when the early church, you know, this is, there's some truth to it, but a lot of people want to talk about how small the early church was and that's the well, ideal and we shouldn't have big churches. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I have heard less of that in recent years. When I was in seminary, that was the hot thing. <laughs> you know, micro church, that's the next thing. And, you know, we had just swinging back from mega church, right? But if you look at the book of Acts, the first day you had 120 people, and then their first gospel message goes out, and 3,000 families were saved. Well, now you've, now you've got a mega church, right. and they're meeting in yeah. the temple. And it says the Lord was adding daily to that number. And then uh, after the, the lame man was healed, it said that 5,000 families were added to the church. So that's coming up on 10,000 families. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And, and it what, caused problems, too. Yes, we we know specifically yes. that, that it caused like growth-related problems where all of a sudden the apostles are saying, we can't. You know, we actually can't provide yeah, this thing. It was that we the widows' want. distribution, right? I yeah. mean, they said let's let's have a program where we take care of widows. That's great, fabulous, idea. Yeah. pure and undefiled religion. But some were complaining that the Hellenistic Jews were being neglected. Meaning, these were Jews, but they were culturally following the Greco-Roman style, etc. And they felt they were getting neglected. And the Bible doesn't actually specify if they were right about that or not. But uh, what they did is they brought it to the twelve apostles and they said, "You guys got to fix this." And every pastor knows, has had those meetings. <laughs> yep. uh, but in Acts 6, verses 2 through 4, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What you see there is the apostles, the leaders, pastors of the church, committing themselves to what their primary task was and then finding other people to do the other things. This is the first instance of what you might call deacons in the Bible. And some churches have formalized uh, deaconships and our church is not one of those, but uh, you might just call them ministry leaders at your right. church. But uh, Philip was in that group. Stephen was in that group. Uh, it was a godly group of men who started taking over the widow's distribution because the work of Peter and John and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthias, theirs was to teach the word and to minister in prayer. And if they were to take on this widow's distribution, they would not have time for that. So they found other people to do it. And that's the biblical model. And you, if you're not a pastor, you're not a leader, this has to come from the bottom up. You've got to come in and rather than demanding your leaders do something, you step up and say, I'd like to, to try this. I mean, that's like the a leader's favorite thing, right, Zach, is when someone says, hey, here's an idea. Can I do it? <laughs> right. Oh, well, and it goes both ways, too. You, you like, let's say that, you, okay, you're you're going to your church, you're coming in, you sit down, you're seeing stuff go on, and you notice something wrong. Yeah, it's uh, the ideal heart that you should have, right, is to say, hey, I wonder how I could help out with that, right? 
Now, I'll also say it's it's important for leaders. Your job is to make sure that you're creating an environment where people feel like they're allowed to do and say that, right? Where when they come to you and say, hey, this is going on, they, they don't feel like, oh, but I probably couldn't. And I, I, I've seen this sometimes. People have this attitude sometimes of like, well, but probably someone has taken care of that and I, I, I shouldn't get involved and that's not my job. And like with this false humility. And I think it's important for uh, leaders to micromanage or, yeah. or fail to delegate or right. and so it's important everybody. Or know. even it's important to just gently lead people and say, hey, like I, I agree with you. That is a problem. You know what? Would you be able to help me by stepping up and taking this on to encourage people? Like, hey, you not only can you do it, but really there's not anybody else available right now to do this. Could you do that? And giving people that sense that, hey, this is part of what you're here to do is not just receive, but also to, to give. And it's an encouragement process. I think if people, you know, maybe they've come from a different church background where there was this attitude of like, no, 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 don't touch that. Like we, we've got that. And mm -hmm. maybe they, they, maybe that's what they think how it should be. And so you're, you're going to have to maybe teach them and encourage them as the leader. And, you know, if you're coming in as a, as a, just a lay person or whatever you want to call it, like, yeah, have that attitude, have your head on a swivel, you know, always be looking to how can I, how could I make it easier for everyone else in, in a way that the Lord is unique? Yeah, show me. up with an attitude to serve. Right. And now I will say this, there are some times where somebody has a really, uh, is, gets very excited about a certain idea. They bring it to the pastor or to the leader and, uh, they're told either this is not something we're going to do yet right, right? or this is something that we have tried and has not done or maybe this just doesn't fit within the purview of our ministry. That's not then your permission to, well, I guess I won't be serving because I can't do my thing. Mm. Uh, those people are a burden on churches. When they show up and they say, here's my ministry, would you like to sponsor it basically? And the folks that are not really on board with what the church is doing, they just have their, you know, their calling, their passion, both things I believe in, but mm -hmm. they, they, they make that the goal rather than this is my church. I want to get on board with what our leaders are leading us to do. So right. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that, that is, I think something that needs to be said, but let's look at this from the positive side. Now, if you're excited about something, that's probably because you're the one that needs to do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you get excited at the thought of, of missions, you need to go on the missions trips or give to the missionaries or make it easy for other people to go. If you're the one that just has a breaking heart for those that are homeless in the streets, okay, well, you got to be the one to do that. If you, oh, I have such a heart for the next generation or I have such a heart for prayer. Okay, then you need to go to prayer mm -hmm. and you need to serve in the children's ministry. Well, I don't, I don't really think that's my calling. Okay, if you're the one excited about it, that's probably the calling of God in your life. Yeah, uh, I mean, not always, but I think that's one good way to start praying about it. And if if you're going to get upset that the the servants of the church should be doing these things, hey, you're the servant in the church, mm. right? Yeah, you need to do that. And I think Zach, you and I both, maybe you can tell your story a little bit, but I was certainly raised that this is how you go to church. Correct. You show up and you <laughs> find something to do. And you help out. Yeah, 100%. And that, and we, oh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm so blessed and happy to, to be a part of the the church family that we're in, in Calvary Chapel, is that it was always this idea, you know, when I I started going to a Calvary Chapel, uh, Calvary Chapel Rio Rancho, Pastor Hall is with the Lord uh, now, actually, and, and he... Uh, you know, we would show up, I remember, because this was before my dad was even on staff. My dad was on staff there for a while. But even before that, we would show up to church, you know, at 7.30 or 8, and we, and my, you know, my family had four boys. <laughs> we'd roll out to church, we'd be there at 8, and we would be probably kicking around church till 1. 
you know, just because my family was like, look, we don't have any, we don't have anything to get back home to. Our kids are all hanging out. We're just going to be here and, and see what needs to be done at the church. And there was two services. So we would stay for both services and different things. Um, and yeah, I just, we just grew up with that expectation of like, well, the door's open. So we're going to be there and, and we'll just find stuff to do from, from the moment that they would let me, I started, you know, I was 12. So, Hey, I can serve in the four-year-olds. <laughs> like, you know, like they, it was just, that was kind of how things were is you just looked around and people would, the cool thing was people, adults in that church would give you things to do, even as a person who probably shouldn't <laughs> have been trusted with that. They would look at a 12 year old and say, Hey, you're just standing around. Help me take this trash out. And, and it yeah. would give you this sense of, Hey, I'm not just here you know, just walking around. I'm part of what's going on. It would fill you with this responsibility. And it became a fun thing that pretty soon we were just going to church and we knew we were going to get to participate in what was going on. Yeah, it was the same thing for me. I mean, my dad was a church planner um, from the time I was three. So I've been setting up chairs right. since I was big enough to drag one across right. the room, man. And setting up chairs, I mean, showing up early because my, my mother and father would be there early. But finding things to clean, finding out who needs help. Did a children's ministry teacher drop out today? Uh, learning how to how to play an instrument. And then not just playing the instrument, but you, you deliberately using that as an opportunity to mm -hmm. serve at the church. Not just you know developing a skill, but using that skill for the Lord. Uh, that then gave way to teaching and gave way to evangelism and missions and, and other things that... That that was how I was raised, and you're right. That is a that is a Calvary Chapel thing. It's not exclusively a Calvary Chapel thing, but as far as defines and distinguishes our philosophy of ministry, the service of the members of the church is is key to that. And yeah. first of all, because it's biblical, but secondly, we have this this history of revival where you had all of these young people right. who had been hippies and, and bikers and everything else, and had given up everything to you know, go and chase that lifestyle. Now they're saved. Now they found Jesus. So all they would do is just show up to the church. They would just spend time there. So what can I do? Well, we need somebody to help hand out bulletins. I got it. I'm your man. We need somebody to clean toilets, vacuum the carpet. Hey, I got it. That right. And that, you know, we're all in this together attitude translated as all those men grew and, and went out and planted churches. And it was that same let's do this together attitude. And it helped break through a lot of the, uh, the crusty, you know, uh, committees upon committees, religion that mm. had infested a lot of American church that, you know, there were people for that. No, you can't, you can't vacuum the carpet because if you right. do, you'll offend brother Gilbert and he'll be upset because you're trying to take his job. And I, that, that is of course so silly, but that was, uh, that was through that attitude, but also through pastor Chuck Smith and his willingness to let guys be bad at something for a while <laughs> and, and then learn yep. to do it good. And yeah. that's a, that's that's part of it too that this is this is a discipline not just to grow you in your skills but also to grow you in your faith so mm -hmm. zach this is ultimately what these are all about here and we'll get into some maybe practicalities in a second now but uh let's just start how is this a discipline for your spirit how do you grow as a christian through serving in the church we through volunteering like to define yeah, volunteering right. for things being on the clean team teaching the children you know, picking up cigarette butts in the car in the parking lot. Um, hopefully, you don't have them in the carpet. <laughs> uh, you know, playing music on the worship team, handing out bulletins, right. volunteering for events, going door to door to tell people about something, prison ministry, whatever it is, serving on a missions trip. How does that build you as a Christian? Right. How well, is that a spiritual discipline? I think a lot of ways. Number one, it, it requires humility. It's always going to be this gut check of like, 
you know what i forget who said it but somebody said you know whether or not you actually are a servant when someone treats you like a servant i believe that was gil irwin uh, it sounds Everybody about right yeah. being a servant until sounds they like start gil. being treated like one. right and and that's <laughs> but that's true you know it's all fun and games when you're like oh i think i have a call to especially if you feel like you're called to ministry by the way mm-hmm. um i feel like i have a call to ministry okay now right now the ministry is like you said cleaning up the toilet right yep. how about that <laughs> and it man it's a good gut check for you of am i serving the lord or am i serving to gain a certain status or to be viewed a certain way and and real true servant-hearted ministry will break you of that really quickly the lord will help you in that area in your life it so it's about it's it it builds humility it builds your love for other people in the church because you are serving people and at some point even if you come in look some days let's be honest you come in on sunday and oh man i just don't i don't want to not today man <laughs> like i don't want to do the children's ministry today i don't want to do this thing today i'm just grumpier than, who so, am i paired with on this team oh not yep, her yeah Please yeah not her and and <laughs> and you get frustrated right but you know what when you submit yourself to the lord and you say lord i'm going to serve as unto you not as unto this person the lord will build that heart of love for the person you're serving and, and that comes through giving that person grace and them giving you grace and and all those experiences that you have together. It's a it's what's happening is the Lord is building his family, right? We're we're God's family. So he, I think, sometimes specifically puts us together <laughs> in like these weird little mismatches where he says, Look, y'all gotta get along. Here. Yeah, like absolutely. You know, and, and that's a that's a primary way that happens. If you wanna if you wanna learn to have a real heart for the actual people in your church, not just the idea of the church, go yeah. serve with them. Yeah. And that that'll happen really quick. Um, so all, those are two big things I can think of. Church, I, like I've never been a big small group guy personally. Right. Like I, I've there was a while I, I helped lead a home fellowship in in Virginia, and I've led tons of discipleship groups and and small Bible studies. But the the place where I got my small group experience was through ministry teams. It was mm. through the worship ministry. It was yeah. through the youth ministry. It was through you going on so a mission trip. You spend so much time. You spend so much yeah. time with people. You're together every week, especially yep. the youth group, man. I mean, right. you're together three or four <laughs> times a week. Uh-huh. You're in each other's houses. You're driving. You're spending the night for two weeks out of the year at summer and winter camps. Like, you're that's where you meet people, and that's where you grow as a person. You have to learn to get along. And if you you know if you feel like every church you go to. You know, they're all they're all terrible people and they're all running you out when you just I'm just trying to help. Well, look in the mirror a little bit. Right. But I think it builds humility for you mm-hmm. is, a, is a great thing because you are now having to do things that maybe you would not ordinarily do. Right. But you're doing it, as the Bible says, heartily as unto the Lord. And that's great when you're, you know, you're vacuuming and there's not a whole lot of dust. But it's another thing when I, this was has happened to me. Somebody throws up in the carpet. <laughs> And now you've got to get down and you've got to scrub that up because you're the one that's there. You're yep. the guy. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, when I'm I'm here as a pastor, I spend I try to spend most of my time studying and praying, which is what I'm supposed to do. But sometimes like, hey man, the toilet's leaking. You gotta get back there and fix the toilet. And uh so you've got to get under there, not in a suit and tie and a collar. Like you've got to get under in your scrubs and you've got to unscrew that thing and screw yep. it back in and get all wet and run to Lowe's and get the wrong one and come <laughs> back and say, why am I even doing this? Because of Jesus. Right. Because I want someone to be able to come to this church and not let anything get in the way of them hearing the message. And also God is worthy of having the very best. So I'm going to do better here than I do at home. And that's, that's a, you need that attitude. Yeah. And it, it just takes you down a peg. And if, if you are of a certain social status and you think that a certain job in the church <laughs> is beneath you, 
then you've got a lot to learn, my friend. Like, and, I don't want to make coffee. I I do million dollar deals all day long. I I just can't be one of these people. Maybe I'll be on the executive, you know, this or that <laughs> committee. And it's like, no, no, no. You've got to be able to do anything. Right. Right. Jesus told somebody, you got to be willing to leave your father and mother. And I don't want you looking back and, or I might say looking over and looking at your ministries as a stepping stone to something Ooh, else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let's, uh-huh. t- let's give a little more. Uh, words to the guys that want to be pastors and, mm-hmm. and missionaries and things. And you've got to be willing to do every job of the church. The, I used to handle the interns that came to our church from Liberty University and pastoral interns and um, got some great guys out of that, one of whom mm-hmm. ended up even getting hired. And it was a great experience. And another one who's now pastoring somewhere else. But but <laughs> a lot of these guys, they'd come in and, and I knew the dean. So I knew good and well what he wanted uh, which was exactly what we wanted. And he's like, they need to be in church and learn how to serve in a church and learn what it's really like. Right. But then they'd show up and they'd be like, hey, we love your church. This is where God has us and we're going to be here. I'm like, okay, great. So we want you to come on and uh, start helping out the middle school ministry. That's where we need help. Ooh, I don't know if that's really my ministry to do middle school. What do you mean your ministry? Well, I really feel called to teach. Well, you can teach middle schoolers. Right. You know, well, but to yeah, teach but in this, to teach meant yes. put me up in front of the church. Right? Yeah, teach Which was meant, not yeah, happening. <laughs> somebody that is going to yeah. be able to comprehend my, you know, 17 point <laughs> exegetical <laughs> theological breakdown right. where, I, where I'm quoting Aquinas, even though I've never read Aquinas. So just, you know, those, those kinds of guys. <laughs> sure. And, and th- you know, I'm those guys grew out of that, I'm sure. But yeah. a lot of them just didn't work out. Or the rule would be show up an hour early for church and you stay until pastor goes home. Okay, yeah, fine. Show up. All right, what do you need me to do? I need you to go vacuum the sanctuary. Yep. Okay, well, what else? Go, and it would be like, listen, I've got 100 things I'm doing. You can go find something. Right, right, right. And those guys be like, I really don't feel like I'm getting the training that I need. And the thing is like, yeah, you are. You right, just yeah. don't know. Yeah. And uh, guys, so that, look, was, that yeah. was some difficult sometimes. And some guys were better about it than others. We had a couple guys just ghost us and just never come back oh, and never answer their phones again, buddy. Uh, which is hilarious to me because I could think of as these guys like sitting in their dorms, like seeing, oh, it's him. Oh, no, I'm supposed to be there. And But uh, man, Zach, that's the preparation that you need for ministry, right? Look, if guys. If you can't do that, you yeah. won't you Let me won't do Let me give you, like, ladies and gentlemen, let me give you the playbook genuinely and i'm not i hope i'm not seeing this out of like pride but like i'll just tell you this is this is my personal experience i can verify this that if you feel called to full-time ministry or part-time ministry or if you just feel the lord telling your heart i need to be involved but you feel and many people feel like this i don't know how to get involved i how would i ever become on a full-time staff or how would i ever become really kind of part of what is going on at my church let me give you the playbook you're not going to like it write this down we also always used to tell the guys this, especially who were serving. I'd say, listen, ready? Show up early, stay late, and do anything anybody asks you to do. There you go. That's it. And 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 wait, now do that for five years. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, do that. Right. For, do that for five years. And when you have, if you do not quit, I would tell guys this: if you do not quit on me over the next five years, I guarantee you, you will be serving in a capacity that you would not have thought possible. Why? Because everyone else who started with you will have quit. Just just by the it's law. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It's true. That's the way it just often goes. How it goes is that if you stick around and show through the Lord sanctifying you and through you just being dogged and not quitting, someone is going to notice in your church, man, that guy just doesn't, he has just been here. 
And, and I'm not giving you this as a tactic or a manipulation. I'm giving you this as like, this is the path. And I, unfortunately, most people listening to me will say, nah, there's a better, like over here, they'll just give me a job. A yeah, people, yeah, maybe they will. will. just rotate between churches. Maybe they will. And, and they let me tell you, let them do, maybe do they, they will they they give want. you a job. But like you said, you will not have had the actual ministry training you need. You may have gotten the internship where they immediately let you start teaching and stuff. That's great. You don't have the the humility and the suffering necessary to actually step into that position ready to be used by the Lord. And I say that as somebody who I, the Lord used that stuff to break me of some really bad attitudes, some really self-centered desires that I had in terms of getting into ministry. And I'm looking on 10 years of doing this, telling you, you have to, you've got to do it this way, That's please. What I you always know? told anybody that wanted to. Yeah. I want to get more involved. I mm. I want to be a pastor. Great. Right. That's a good thing. Yep. And yeah. What it's I would, a great well, thing. What yeah. can I do? I said just show up early. Yep. Stay late, and when you have free time, come by and say what can I do. Yep. And if we don't have anything for you to do, just stick around and look for something. You can always take out the trash. Yep. You can always. You know, spray the mirrors and wipe them down. You know, you can all, if you don't have anything to do, then get out your Bible and read and start growing in that way. And, you know, um, yeah, this is, it leads into a good question, I think, that uh, we used to have to answer these questions in seminary. We'd have discussion boards on them. But you, you start asking, whose job is it to get the people in the church serving? Let's first go with the common answer, which is right, but I don't know if it's the best answer, that it is the, pastor and the church's job to provide opportunities for service. That is true. You, you need that. You need to make it easy for somebody. So meaning to be like able a to top down, like yeah. a top down approach here. Look, we, we've got, here's this little portfolio. You can do the A or B or C to serve. I can't complain about not enough people serving in children's ministry. If I, number one, don't announce that we need help with children's ministry. And number two, if that, if that organizational structure is just a giant mess and everybody in it is really mean and like, and <laughs> yeah. that it's very disorganized like that. Okay. I can't expect that. That is the pastor's responsibility. It's also his responsibility to be able to assess the church from time to time mm-hmm. and say, you know, we're really falling short on volunteers for the different ministries that we have. It's my job to get up there and say something. Or if somebody were to come up to you and, and on a Sunday, say, how do I get involved? How can I start serving here? You need to have a ready answer. Yeah. Okay. This is, I mean, just, just speak to that right. for a second, Zach, before we get to the other side of it, because a church needs to be able to do that. Well, you, you need to be able to bring me... people in. Mega churches are fabulous at this. Yes, they They are. get a lot of yes, flack, they but they're, that's what well, they're I remember, really good I'll never at. forget, we came down, when we came down starting to plan on planning this church, we went to a, a very famous, popular mega church down here, and we just sat there for a Sunday, and one of the, what was one of the things, we, we drove home and we said, what are they doing that is like a blessing to their people that we should emulate? And we immediately all said, this place is spotless, and you can tell that there, there are so many people running around clearly with like a, a plan, a job to do that they feel excited about, that they're happy to be there making sure that that bathroom looks better than my bathroom at home or the bathroom at the restaurant. Like, And we, we said, that look at that, like they're, they're carefully making sure that you you couldn't go to that church and not have an opportunity to serve. It was your fault, right? Because I, I still remember to this day yeah. what their process was mm-hmm. yeah. to get involved serving. And yeah. Meaning that which yeah. means they explained it to you and they made they it, it easy and yeah, and that's fantastic. And I think, you know, 
here's a good word maybe for like, if you're in a leadership position, you always tell me, if anybody ever asks you, how can I help? You had better give them something. Yes, Do every not time. ever like, look. That, that's one of my little little things I tell <laughs> yep. all my ministry leaders. Yeah. When people say, can I help? The answer is always yes. Yeah, because what are you doing? Because what are you doing? That person, and think about it from their perspective, that person, maybe this is the first time they've ever asked that question. And in their heart, they're thinking, Pro- there's probably nothing I can do. It's probably already taken care of. So they worked up the courage to come to you. And it doesn't seem like a big deal to you because you're in leadership. You're probably a little bit more outgoing. You're a fixer upper person. To to you, it seems like a dub, but this person's shy. They came to you and they said, can I help? And you say, no, it's all good. We got it. Well, they're never going to ask you again, right? Because they're just assuming, oh, I guess they have it. I, I, you know, they probably don't need me. No, you always say, absolutely. Here's a thing. And having your, what I try and do, because you've taught us that I try and have in my mind, okay, today, if I see somebody who needs something to do, or they're asking, here's the thing I'm just going to give them. You know, I'm just going to say, oh, yes, please. Can you go make a pot of coffee? Like, yeah. Or just take the thing you're doing and let right. them do it. Yes. And it, well, I'll do it better than they will. So. Right. And this kind of ties in another right. thing I wanted to bring up. Is right, right, right. You right. can get that grumpy church worker. And that, so that That, that character is, <laughs> so is in every church. Yep. I'll remember one day we were doing a, we had a youth Sunday. <laughs> names have been um, changed to protect the innocent oh, or the names. less innocent. Fun, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I remember this. Be, be, the reason it doesn't matter because this happens all the time, everywhere, every Sunday around the world. Yep. <laughs> where uh, oh, we were having our, our high schoolers and middle schoolers mm-hmm. were going to be doing all of the responsibilities in the church that Sunday. And from leading worship down to children's ministry and um, the fellow who was in charge of the coffee the hospitality, so it was, I mean, it was a large church, so it was a, it was a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. It was, a lot you know, of different things keeping things clean, it was, right. there was dishes to be done, etc. And um, I was very nervous because he's like, these kids aren't doing it right. And so um, I had to end up sending him out of the kitchen <laughs> because he was, <laughs> because he was getting grumpy with these kids and... I'm like, you know, it's an 11-year-old boy. Yeah, he doesn't know how to do that, right? He didn't know you had to flip this switch before that switch. But um, it's your job to so teach. So what? Him. What I told? Well, yeah, but not even that. Yes, right. it is your job to teach. But what I told him was, hey, he said, "There's not doing a good. I want it to be a good job, and I want it to be done well." I said, "Yes, but it is more important today that they." do this mm. than that the coffee be ready on time. Mm. It's more important for that 11-year-old boy to have contributed to the work of the church yes. than for it to be done perfectly. Absolutely. And this is something that's got to be maintained at all costs. And, you know, if you're, the, you know, the guy who's not serving that week and he sees somebody doing the job that he usually does and they're not doing it right and so he pushes them out of the way and gets back on the soundboard himself, that's... That's deadly to a church, man, because mm. they're going to go, well, then what am I doing this for? I know I'm not as good at it, but I'm trying to learn and you're not letting me learn. So that that's the grumpiness part of it. But yeah, so yeah, to get back to what we we're saying, it is the pastor's job, the church's job to make it easy, provide a way for you to serve. Yep, sure. However, yes. <laughs> where I must remind us, ultimately, it is your responsibility as a Christian to find your place in the church. We used to say my old church, to find your place on the wall. Mm-hmm. In Nehemiah, when the people were building the wall, everybody built the piece that was right next to his house. So where is your place? You, everybody has a place on the wall where they've got to build. And it's great to read through it because you'll be like, so-and-so was a goldsmith and he was doing it right next to this person who was a farmer. Mm-hmm. Like there was no class distinction. So-and-so was a priest and a chief of whatever. And this guy was, you know... a 
a shepherd and they were working next to each other. That's right. what is still happening in the church today. Yes. Ultimately, it is up to you. And I had some great friends that went to a very large church and they would say, it's so hard to get involved there. And I'd be like, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I, even if it is obscure and difficult and intimidating, I, I have a hard time believing you couldn't walk up to somebody there and say, excuse me, how can I get involved well, and, and have them tell you what to do? You've got to do this. And a lot of the books and things that were written a few years ago about this, because it was interesting, if I can give a little rabbit trail here, uh, you you notice trends if you watch them long enough. Sure. But uh, used to be, I mean, butts in seats. Mm. That's how you measured a successful church, was how many people do you got? And Calvary Chapel, I think, was in the vanguard of this. Uh, but a lot of others in the church kind of took people to task on that. Like, it's not about getting a bunch of people in the church. You've got to have depth. You've got to have, you know, they got to be true disciples, etc. But it very sw- swiftly pivoted to where no longer were people bragging about how big their church was. They were bragging about how many people were serving at their church. Mm. And that became the new benchmark of, is your church successful? And I, it might be better than attendance, I suppose, but I think so, there's extenuating but... circumstances there. But And so because that, that rabbit trail over, because that was the trend, a lot of books were written with the same corporate mindset of how mm. to get people serving in the church. I would say, if they're not serving, it's on you, pastor. If they're not serving, it's on your executive committee. That's not always true. Mm. If people are not serving the Lord, they're not doing something right. If they are not using their spiritual gifts, they're in sin. They're missing that out. Mm. And if I've told them, and it's, it's, here's the thing, you know, we'd have these staff meetings back in Lynchburg and, you know, we'd be like, well, we really don't have enough volunteers for this. Not, not enough folks have signed up for this. And, uh, what would happen in the meetings is somebody would say like, I, I just don't know that we did a good job announcing it. I know we didn't put it. And you can always pinpoint where you didn't do it right. But I remember my, my pastor and, and father would just be like, all right, look guys, it was in the bulletin. We announced it in person from the stage. It was on the slides that we're, we're going through and all of our ministry leaders reminded their teams and we sent out an email. If somebody didn't get it then, it's on them. Right, right. If they didn't sign up for the thing, that's not on us. And so this is why I'm speaking to you as a Christian, as an individual, as a citizen, as a disciple, you've got to take responsibility for your own discipline of service in the church. And we talked about this, you know, with some of the other disciplines. I think it bears repeating here. You know, bring your external experiences and drives and passions that you are f- totally excited using outside of the church. Why? How come you, you're all leaving them at the church door? Right. And I'm speaking yeah, to myself sure. too. It's like, look, you're, come on, man, you go, you go to work and you have analyzed that workplace. You have figured out, well, if I do this, that shows up on the report and that I, and I've talked to this person, you know how to get ahead there. And I'm not, I, far be it from you or anybody else to try and get ahead in the church through freshly means. Do not do that. You will be found out. But you can come, you can take at least a tiny LinkedIn little... LinkedIn is for. Yeah, right. Is for. You can come, a t- you can do a tiny bit of that kind of work in your church and say, hang on a second, wh- how can I serve? And if it's not immediately apparent to you, figure it out. It can't be that hard, right? Talk to ask a person, look at the bulletin twice, go to the website, like, come on, do a little bit of the homework, right? Just be there. Be and there, be and, there and, 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 and watch, and be right? Go-getter. We talk about ministry eyes all the time. Look around, not with the eyes of like, how can I be served? But what is what is not happening that I could immediately, like you said, it's it's the wall right in front of you. Don't look at, well, if if someone would just give me this position, then I could, no, just what is right in front of you. And, and I will say, just to, to talk positively about this in a way too, 
there is nothing cooler to a pastor than to see somebody. I remember I used to have these experiences where I would realize after a couple years of watching somebody serve in an incredibly background and menial way, I would find out a little bit more about them and their life. And I'd realize, oh man, this guy is like out there, like writing checks, doing, making moves. He's a like, somebody. Yeah, he is. Like, and he vacuums our carpet exactly. once a week. <laughs> and, 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 and not only does, but does it without this attitude of like, here, I will step down. He just does it and gets out of the way. And you yeah. will find those people in your church who come in with an attitude of, hey, look, out there, I've, I've got all these responsibilities and I'm, but here, I just want to be a person who just helps out and treasure that. Like, that's important. And not only that, you can be that person for your pastor. There's literally nothing oh, stopping you. I love you. giving stuff away. Yeah. I love people that just come in and take things. Nothing stopping you from being that guy <laughs> where you great. roll up and say, how can I not just, you know, not that attitude of, you know, pastor, I really think that we need to have this going on, you, you know, but, and someone else should do it. But that attitude of, hey, how can I, whatever it is, open-ended, can you tell me something that would make your life easier this week or on Sunday. And and number one, I promise your pastor has a thing <laughs> that he will give to you. And you number make him cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, no, and number two, like then follow up on it, like land it, do it. Because there's a lot of pastors and I, I know Tyler, I think you've experienced this a lot. It may be difficult for them to trust you at first, right? Because I'm sure they've heard that before. And then somebody kind of drops the ball on that. Like be consistent in coming back and saying, no, really, like how can I do it? And then go like make it happen. Treat it like an assignment from your boss. Make sure, you know, check up on it, do it, bring it back and say, hey, we got this done. What else can I do for you? Yeah. So sometimes churches will be criticized because they'll say, oh, sure. it's the same people doing everything. Well, that's not on purpose. Mm. The church True. does not just pick its favorites. And if you've been to a church where they did that, then that's not good. But in my experience, the reason the same people do everything at the church is it's very hard to not be that way when if church starts at 930 and at 815, these are the 20 people here. Right. Whether they're serving officially or not, they're just there to help and make sure everything goes well. And when church ends, they're the ones going around Lysoling toys, talking to people, praying with people. And so then when it comes time where we need somebody to volunteer with such and such, you might think to yourself, well, I don't want to pick one of the same old people. It's like, those are the people I can pick because they're here. You know, this is where you come to worship. This is where you come to encounter God and be taught the word. So to use that verse that Jesus said, do you come to be served or to serve? Right. Are you coming here to contribute right. to what's doing it? I mean, this gives you skin in the game. Yep. That this is not what he's doing or they're doing. This is what we are doing. And I think people... Well, I think tithing is one step in this direction, sure but is. serving is another step in that direction when, you know, or I want to know more about what's going on at the church. Well, don't just barge into the office asking that question. Not that anyone's done that to me, but I know that it happens. Be part of it. Mm. Be part of what's going on. Find the, the place where there's a need and fill the gap. So let's get into some, just some practical things real quick here, Zach. Just if you want to get involved in church, you've already said it. Check your church bulletin, check your church website, check the, pay attention during those announcements. You know, don't <laughs> run out for a bathroom break before church. You know, you sit through a movie, you can sit through church and listen. And if you don't hear anything, go up and ask your pastor, ask him or, you know, the, the elders or the deacons or the staff say, Hey, how can I help? And if they don't have an answer, then just open your eyes and say, what, what gets done around here? I see that there's a worship team up there, music ministry. Is that something that you are able to do? 
Maybe not. Okay, well, what else? What about the guys advancing the slides and the projector screen? That happens every week. Is that something you can learn how to do? Even if not, you can be like, all right, well, I see the worship team. You know, they always have uh, sheets of music printed out. Is that something? Would you like go up to your, your worship leader? Would you like me to print these out and, and organize them for you every week? Or if you have sheet music, say, would you mind sending me the list and I'll set out the music for you? Or... Uh, just kind of be there as like a gopher for the worship yeah. leader, you know, like, which is, oh man, I love my capo in the, in the guitar case. You go, Hey, I got it. And he doesn't have to unplug. And I, that's just one example, but do that in the lobby, do that with the children's ministry, check the trash cans. Are they full? If you notice a smell coming from one of the trash <laughs> cans, take out the trash and find out and don't, don't go to a harried staff member and say like, Hey, you got to take this trash out. Say something like, Hey, where do we keep extra trash bags? Right. Why? Right, well, right. there's just a, a diaper. Oh, no. no. Hey, you say, hey, I got it. I'll get it. Just tell me where the trash bags are. Right. Okay, they're in the kitchen under the such and such. All right, thank you. Is there a key that I need? No. Okay, I'll just go do it. You know, that's that's what you do. Yep. Or you look out. There's Is there somebody directing traffic in the parking lot? Do you need to do that? Show up early and find your executive pastor and say, who didn't show up today? Right. What do you need? If you hear there's a raucous noise of coming from the third grade classroom and you look in and there's usually two helpers and there's only one today and, you know, she's looking like she's about to cry, you know, maybe say, hey, do you need some help? And this, right. My wife is great at this. She always just kind of comes, she comes in just like a step or two behind everybody else and sees where things are missing. She's like a linebacker. She just fills the hole and mm -hmm. it's, it's wonderful. So that's how you find something, right? Yep. I mean, is... 100%. Just look for it. And just They're keep, there. And just keep rolling up and, and, and asking. And, you know, like I said, people might, it might just in real talk, it might take people a while to trust that you're going to keep showing up and, and sticking around, but d definitely do it. And people pretty soon, you'll not only pretty soon will you have stuff to do, but you will be depended upon. Like people will be, oh, good. They're here because they, they will help make this go easier for me. And that's a good, that's not just to make you feel good. That's like, you know, a lot of times people talk about all these problems with the church as, as like, well, we need to bolt this extra thing onto the church to solve this problem. The problem of feeling disconnected or like you're not in community or whatever the buzzword is, it comes from not serving. It's already there within yeah. the church. It's, it's within the structure that God created that solves this problem. So yeah. if, if you're coming to church and showing up just to basically, we always say, you know, go to a live taping of a podcast and you're not serving, you should feel disconnected because you aren't. Like yeah. you are disconnected and the way to get plugged in, the way to meet people, the way to make friends is to, to do the, the work of the ministry. And that work of the ministry happens with all of us, you know, working together. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you just, this has always been a difficult thing for me. And I, I'm rather gregarious and outgoing and obviously around here, I'm, I'm the leader. So it, it doesn't really apply to this situation, but my whole life, it's always been very difficult for me when there is a group of people that I would really like to be friends with. I would really like to get to know these people. It seems like we have similar interests. They seem like they're having a lot of fun mm. and you just don't feel like you have an in or you feel like they're already tight friends or something like that. In church, sometimes you can come and you can say, man, it just seems like everybody knows each other so well. Right, and right, well, right. yeah, they do. Mm. I mean, some of us, I, you know, some of us at our church, we see each other well, twice a week for church, but like outside of it for other related things and for ministries and for events. And the way that you become part of the group is by participating in those things. Yeah. 
and serving and there's and, not and like showing a click, up early. But there's this perception that it's oh, not well, a click, or it be. shouldn't be. But no, at least here it's not. Can be if you're not careful. But like the perception is, oh, I guess, I guess they're serving because they're friends with these people. Oh no, Opposite and it's backwards. Yes. It's backwards. They're friends because they've been serving together. Exactly like you said. I've, I, you know, I see y'all. I see one of y'all from the church probably every day. I think yeah, that's pretty safe sure. to say. I see somebody every day, and that's not just because I'm here at the church office doing work. It's because. We, we we see each other. We're meeting up for something. We're going out to get this thing fixed on so tomorrow. I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna talk to so and so about this and let them into clean it. Like it's almost every day, yeah. and and that's how you build those close relationships with people. Yep, you serve. That's yep. what you're supposed to do, right? You know, I people used to ask me, Tyler, you're on staff at this church. How do I get on staff? Well, what I was told was <laughs> make yourself indispensable. Right. A lot of people want to come. Oh, there's an opening. You know, here's my resume. Like, all right, but have you been here? Mm. Do you come to the prayer meetings? Do you serve? Are you already doing something where if you left, we would all panic and tear our hair out? <laughs> like, that's how you become, you know, for, back to those of you that want to serve in ministry full time. Like, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't wait for opportunities. Make opportunities. Come to the pastor with ideas and solutions to those ideas. And present. A, this is what people tell me. Hey, I'd love to do this and that. I say, okay. Type, bring me a one-page typed-out ministry plan with all your ideas and thoughts, and we'll go over it together. That, not that this is my intention, but that kills 99% of ideas. I right. never hear from them again. Right. And that that's, I would love to do them all, but that's it's not my job to take your idea and develop it. It's yours. That's your ministry. Mm. My job is to equip you. And, I mean, this is how you grow as a, as a believer, is you've got to come to church with something to give. If there's two services, come to both. Serve in one yeah. and then attend church in the other. Or come to all three. Have an official ministry designation for one of the services. Sir, uh, attend church in the other one. And then for the third one, be just be around. Just see what else needs doing. Find out who's missing. Start a prayer group during one of the services. Like, take the initiative to serve in the church. Such a healthy, th- it's, healthy it's thing for your family. Do. It's such a healthy thing for your family too. Because oh, I know your kids that church yep, is important. Man. It's hard. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's. Look, I get it. I have little kids. It's hard. I understand, right? But here's the thing: my kids love being at church. My kids look forward to being at church. My kids are excited. You know, obviously some some mornings more than others, but but because we've built a well, rhythm. We all are, right? Yeah, right. Because we've built a rhythm in their life of this is where we spend most of the day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And this is where you're going to see your friends. You're going to get to meet people and hang out. You're going to run around and all the adults are going to love you. And like it's a good environment for them to be in. And we're building, like you said, that thing of this isn't a surprise. This isn't a drag that we run in. You know, look, your kids pay attention to your attitude. If you cruise in 45 minutes after church has started and leave five minutes before it ends, <laughs> what, and then you're shocked. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but and then you're shocked when your kids say, yeah, I don't think this is very important. Well, you're not showing them that it's very important. Yeah, you're not letting them soak into it a little mm. bit and like just i mean relax is the wrong word i, I mean this that metaphorically like sure. if it's like this is th- if this is a task to accomplish ah. that's one thing but if it's just like this is what we're doing today you know i say that to my kids all yep. the time you know whether it's at the church or for a home <laughs> or yard work we've got a yeah yard work <laughs> right. we got to clean oh, i'm just so tired i'm like hey micah pick on him this is what we're doing today yep <laughs> you might as well just come to terms with it because it's not going to change there's no getting right? to the other side of this but yeah. even my kids like they're mm-hmm. little but uh, yeah. what, do, what do they do? They go, I send them into the sanctuary and I say, can you make sure that there's a Bible under every other seat? And that's like their job now, you know, or I'll say, can you go to all the trash cans and let me know which ones are full, right? That's what they can do. Uh, 
there, there's a million different things. When you when we have a big event, you know, at the five, we have a 5K or something. It's like, can you stand here and everybody that crosses that line, give them an orange and a water bottle. Like, get them involved serving too. Teach them that this is what we do. We participate in the work of ministry. It's not a burden. It's not a chore. It's something we do out of love for God and for God's people. Right. So, 100%. first active discipline is service. Second one is related to that, except it's outside the church. In fact, it might be the only spiritual discipline that is really outside the church. Uh, this is evangelism, the evangelistic spiritual discipline. Evangelism comes from the Greek word evangelion, really would have been euangelion, because you is like a good thing. Uh, and then angelion has got the word angel in it, and it means message. So good news, right? That's the English word gospel is like good good spiel. If you look that back up, it's, it's a good <laughs> yeah. news, right? right? You're going to go and bring good news to all the people, which is the news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And the, the last words of Jesus prior to his ascent to heaven, it's given in, in every gospel and in the book of Acts. Matthew 28, I'll read this one. He said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. And the Great Commission was not just intended for the apostles. If something was just intended for the apostles, it would be marked as such or probably not included in the scripture, which is intended for all of us, right? It's fallen upon you. Keith Green said, this generation of believers is responsible for this generation of lost souls. Mm. And as long as you have a theologically sophisticated understanding of that sentence, it's very, very true. It's got some punch to it. Your job is to take the gospel wherever you can. It's, it's to learn to see the world the way Jesus sees it, that these people are dying and going to hell, and it's up to you to bring them the good news. And this is a spiritual discipline. We'll talk yeah. a little bit about how this grows you spiritually, but uh, it is something you've got to discipline yourself to do because it's not something that people do naturally, right? Zach, this isn't something that people tend to say, oh, I just can't stop evangelizing. I need to go, you know, to you know, to Betty Ford and, <laughs> and get, you know, cured of my evangelism. Yeah, no, no, and I think... Oh, to have such a disease. Right, right. and I think it's... It, that's even in that should be an encouragement. Like, a lot of people are intimidated by this and they think that that's abnormal, or is like some sign of their spiritual lack is like, well, I don't, I don't understand. I don't want to evangelize. And I'm like, bro, like, yeah, it's a discipline. Like, I don't want to wake up at, right. at four in the morning and, and work out either. But that doesn't mean that I'm, I can't be a strong person. It means that I just don't want to. Like, it's okay to have that intimidation. It, it cuts against your flesh hard. Evangelism might be the ones, honestly, that cuts against your flesh the hardest. Because it, man, if you, if you want to, if you want to feel humbled. The Bible says that we're supposed to be willing to be foolish for Christ. And that's what evangelism will make you feel like most of the time. And so, it, yeah, it requires death to self. It requires you, say, you know, saying, look, I, <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation today. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it also is one of the disciplines that, man, if you, we, we talked about, Hey, if you're, if you're feeling not plugged in, you should serve. If you are struggling with thoughts of like, really, is this it? I'm a Christian. I'm just going to keep waking up and do this. And this is a little boring. To, if I was being really honest, you need to go evangelize my friend. It will be lots oh, of yeah. things. It will not be boring. You, <laughs> you will. <laughs> Remember in Braveheart where they go, where are you going? He says, I'm going to peck a fight. Yep, that's that's exactly what evangelism right. is. And I don't feel like I really have spiritual warfare. I don't go talk to somebody. Yeah. Like get Jesus, ready, dude. Man. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And, and this it, has become like a meme of Christians now. It's like, like what? Do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and savior? Jesus yeah, yeah, Christ. Yeah. It has. I'm like, good. I like that reputation. Right. Because that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, this is, 
I mean, bright, Zach, this is in the word. We're supposed to preach the gospel to yes. every creature, it says in the book of Luke. Yes. And I think it was, what, St. Francis that took that literally and like, would, like talk preached to animals, in, the, yeah. in the woods to like squirrels. I'd and rather stuff. have that heart than not talk. <laughs> I mean, that's right. Hey, you know, yeah, like, right. So, right. And, and that's, that's a big thing now. Like we have this, and I think finally, thankfully we're kind of getting over this, but for a while it was this whole, like preach the gospel if necessary, use words <sighs> thing. And like, look, like I get it. Right. That was a, yeah. Talk about like, that a little bit. Okay. What that, look, what that was. And look, I think it, unfortunately it was this, it was, it's like everything in the church. Like you said, there's, there's memes and there's like, um, like trends. Right. And so there, unfortunately, I, I'll say, unfortunately, there was this trend in, let's say that before my time, even the eighties and stuff, you had like the chick tracks and these like just silly, dumb. Oh, I used to hand out chick tracks. Yeah. Well, okay. But scare yeah, me and I was yeah, Right. Like just this kind of crazy stuff of like, you know, maybe, okay. Maybe it wasn't the best way to evangelize. That's fair. And so people in reacting against that stuff. To be, I'm sorry. I, just, I want to just comment on those. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The thing, the, the, yeah, the, those were not great. And here's my big problem with those old tracks is a lot of them were, were rather lurid as opposed yes, to being, yeah, that's correct. as opposed they to giving the gospel. It was just like, depicting it's a, it's a little comic book about a stripper and right. it's like, Ooh, what is this? And you know, I'm an 11 year old boy handing these out of the bus stop or whatever. Right. I'm like, it's Whoa, what, the, what is this? And, and it's that that was what I didn't like about those. I am not opposed to strong gospel preaching. No, no, no. Or even hellfire and brimstone. Man. No, you need that. That's yeah, and that's not what I'm talking about either. I'm just saying it was it was this. There was this every everything about evangelism was boiled down to street evangelism as if it was the only way to evangelize. And some people reacted against that, right? Maybe that's even fair. Okay. But in their reaction, they went to this like preach the gospel if necessary, use words meme, which kind of was supposed to mean like, well, like your whole life should be an example of the gospel. So really you shouldn't even, which is like, okay, cool. Like you get five holiness points. Like, Good was, for you. Was any, but yeah, but it's also like, was anybody not saying that? Right. Yeah. Like it's like, <laughs> was there anybody out there that was like, a hundred percent, as long as you're sharing the gospel, do whatever you want. Right. Man. Like, the answer is no. What? <laughs> so yes, of course your life and your words should line up. Yes. Uh, also, by the way, the way you live should prick people's hearts and stir them to ask questions yes. about how you live. Of course. But, find me where in scripture that means that you get to hide out behind never using words. I don't think so. The verse that's often used is when Peter said, always prepare to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And uh, Right. Which, I, by I the have, way, I have opinions on that verse and how it's used. But Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the primary sense. He's not saying, therefore, you don't have to talk to anybody. No. Uh, and he's also not saying, by the way, be, be powered up with a bunch of apologetic grenades to yell at atheists. What he's saying is an answer for the hope that is in you. Like I'm so filled with hope about Jesus and the gospel that when people ask me, have you ever had this happen? This is what that's talking about. When people ask you, dude, what is, what is your deal? You're just happy. I have had that conversation that. at every single job yep. I've ever had. I used to have it at restaurant from, jobs. From the time I was 15. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm thinking back through all my jobs. The first one I was working with a uh, friend from church. So yeah. I mean, that was a little different, but yeah, I'm working at that job and then that job and then that job and then that one. I mean, yeah, every yeah. every job. And it, here's why I that's had a those good conversations. example. Usually it was, hey, why don't you cuss? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm dead serious. As silly as that so sounds. Dumb. Like that sounds like yep. such a youth group leader's, uh -huh. you know, true, like, th but Happens. it's true. People notice. And People then they get notice. mad. I was told at a, yeah. at a one of Ruby Tuesday and uh, the bartender name was Tom, who I was more or less friends with reprobate but friend of mine and uh apparently they'd been talking in the in the kitchen <laughs> because i go and i i get the drink to go take to the table and he holds it out i put up my hand and he pulls it back and he goes i'm not giving you this until you say 
and it was the F word. I'm like, I'm not saying that. He goes, well, then I guess you're not getting this. I'm like, well, then I guess I'm not taking it. And I started to walk away. He goes, fine, here, take it. And so then we get to have a little talk about that. And he's like, well, I mean, I believe in God too, but I don't really get what the big deal is. And and I talked about holiness and like, I'm, I'm, my whole life is consecrated to Jesus. And yeah, I, I, I think that a, a, that verse does talk about apologetics some too. Uh, sure. I think that he's, yeah, you need to be able to answer tough questions and be prepared for your own sake, if, if not mm-hmm. for theirs. But I mean, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words is a great statement if you get the point, if you're using it as a cloak to hide behind right. so that you never have to talk to anybody. Right. Like, I mean, I think... An introverted Christian hears that and just rejoices. And I get it. If you look, <laughs> because like, oh, good, I don't have to. Right. But I'm sorry, this this is, you know, we are to preach the gospel. The word in Greek usually is keruso, which means to proclaim mm-hmm. the gospel. You've got to talk to folks. You've got to use words. And, and, that, and your life should be able to back up the testimony. Right. But and, and not every interaction with somebody is going to result in a full gospel presentation. But uh-huh. okay. you need to be... Sure. Living your life in such a way so that that is absolutely on the table, and and you can go if you there. needed to. Yeah, if you needed right. to go there, you're you're not stuck. Well, and that you know that example of the the job interaction is a perfect example, right? Because that's it's getting all it's hitting all of those boxes. Number one, you have preached the gospel by your life because people are like, "What is?" I remember I was working at Chick Fil A, and this guy, same thing, guy, one of the hardest worst people there and at just, chick-fil-a yes at chick-fil-a yeah he was a tough he was a tough dude he worked in the kitchen what did he take two pennies fun. out of the one, one take a penny no he was like we, we used to have it was a chick-fil-a in new mexico let's put it that way he was yeah he was a tough kid and he um he he would ask he was like what is your your, your he said some other stuff and he said why are you always smiling like, what is the matter with you and he's like almost yelling at me and i said well dude i said look i i it was i was in high school and i was goofy and i was just ready to go i was like look i just i'm filled with the holy spirit i'm happy and he gets he gets even more mad at me and he's like that's so stupid and he just is yelling at me but well but, i'm the happy one but here, what was funny Paco. yeah what was funny is he was yelling at me but you could see that he had not was not ready for that answer and he was kind of actually thinking about it now what happened yes i preached the gospel with my life praise the lord the lord used me that day i'm glad it was that day and not some day when i was upset right <laughs> but also i had to use words it was both it was both, right? And yeah. and also, by the way, like you said, I didn't get that day to land the plane with him and go through the Romans road. And like, it, it's important for you to understand that is still evangelism. One of the be- especially if you feel introverted, one of the things I tell people is like, look, you, you, you should you work up to where, yes, you need to be ready. <laughs> like You need to be ready to give the, the gospel to somebody in its entirety and walk them through that. Yes. And most people, by the way, if you've been a Christian for a while, you're more ready than you think. But also just be yourself around people like be intentionally i i tell people i'm 10 percent more myself around people that i know aren't saved what i mean is i talk as if they know what i'm talking about i just act like i would act at church oh well you know they're like oh what are you doing well you know our family's really been praying about it and we're thinking about doing this and that just be yourself and when they start giving you weird looks you get a perfect opportunity to explain yourself don't what what people do is they like they try and be normal normal meaning secular meaning like everybody else yeah meaning like everybody else and they try and they try and not cause trouble and then they think that one day god's going to give them this opportunity where this person's going to come breaking down to them and they're going to lead them to jesus what most interactions with unsafe people will be is them being themselves and you taking the opportunity to just be yourself 
to say, yeah. hey, how can that, I pray Paul for you today? Paul talks about like, that. that. They're yeah. surprised when you not do not go along with them and their right. debaucheries. Yep. Uh, when I started working my my tent making job down mm-hmm. here, where I was not t- I was not making tents, I was hauling junk. Right. Uh, but I mean, the first day, I had just gotten the job and was sitting at the desk. I just re- you know I was signing paperwork. And one of the guys who came in who would become one of my friends and one of my common partners on the truck, uh, my boss, and this is Tyler, and he's a, he's a pastor. He goes, how old are you? And I'm 27. He goes, 27? You're a pastor? Go, yeah. He goes, ain't you got some sinning left to do? And I was <laughs> like, uh, no. And so I mean, like, from the first crack of the gun, ready, set, go, bang, I was under the gun, man. I was. They knew who I was. They knew what was up. And the, the tests came almost immediately. And not every time that it came up did I do a fabulous job of presenting the gospel or representing Jesus. Uh, I think I did. I don't know that I did anything that I'm ashamed of. Uh, there was one time where I I think I maybe even overdid it in trying to do the right thing and might have let myself get pushed around more than I needed to. But I was so aware of my reputation there and Christ's reputation, which I bore. But mm-hmm. there were those days where I just got to lay out the gospel from start to finish for people. And then there were other days where I just would say, nope, I, I don't do that. I'm a Christian. Like, oh, he's a Christian. And, and you know, some <laughs> of that is you got to learn to you got to learn to have a little chill and just roll with the punches a little bit. Sure. And if they weren't teasing you for that, they'd be teasing you for your hair. So, you know, <laughs> don't take it so personally. But, right. you know, you made a good point there. And I think we can transition into this, that the discipline of evangelism is not about, uh, you know, it's I want to be careful how I say this, because yes. it is and it isn't. It's I, I'll say it's. Evangelism is not the same thing as making converts. Mm. I, I okay. ho- it should be like ideally that's what it is. And I've known those people. My grandfather is one of these people. Um, Mike Sadzinski, my old youth group yep. leader, was one of these people. People with the gift. Well, it's it's of like evangelism. Evangelism was like duck hunting for them. <laughs> they'd go out and come back with like six different new it's people, frustrating. and they'd come to the church and yep. they'd be there. And I feel like I would. I remember one time I went out with the youth group and we went evangelizing at the mall. And the first guy I talked to, he's I, I picked a, the wrong guy, but I remember distinctly the words coming out. This is some kind of pitch. I'm not interested. And I was like, ar, 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 and just kind of <laughs> ran off the other way. And I would be like, oh, I I prayed with ten people. Right. I'm like, I, I do not have that gene. So uh-huh. so I want to be clear. It is ultimately about making converts. It's about making disciples, right? right? Not just converts. Um, yeah. Yeah. A, a convert has to, you have to exactly. be a convert to be a disciple. Right. So, but what the difference is, what I mean when I say that, you know, all the proper qualifications applied, you should be winning souls. Mm-hmm. But evangelism, according to, to Paul in Second Corinthians and elsewhere, is about moving the ball forward with people. Mm-hmm. It's not about uh, trying to, you ever watch a football game? And the team either uh, I've been a Dolphins fan for years, so I've seen this over and over again, where like you do a, you know, a, a run up the gut and get one yard and then you do another run up the gut and you lose a yard and then you, uh, you know, you throw a short pass on the flats and get three yards and you punt. And that's your right. That's your offense. So then you get to the very end and you have no choice but just to start hurling the ball down the field. In hopes that maybe I'll get something. It's not an effective strategy. Right. Kind of like they teach you in baseball. Don't swing for the fences. You know, we use that phrase, oh, swing for the fences. You're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to try to make contact with the ball. Yep. Just that coaches will tell you, put the bat on the ball. 
and then you go put the barrel of the bat on the ball. And then as you grow in your skill, you do this. But if in evangelism, you're trying to close the sale every time, hmm. you're going to be disappointed because it is not up to you to harvest these people. It is up to you to you plant seeds, to water the seeds, and to move the ball forward. You know, try to get a first down. Don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't try to get a home run. Yes. I mean, if you get one, oh, praise God, I want right. a home run. You're hoping that every play turns into a touchdown. Sure. But the person you're talking to, maybe this is the first time they've ever heard the gospel. You meet those people, mm -hmm. you meet them especially on the other side of the world. They've never even heard the name of Jesus before. And can the Holy Spirit take that moment and save them in an instant? Yes. Yes. Can and does Most sometimes. of the time, though. Right. This way. Okay, so there's this guy named Jesus who apparently Christians believe, and he's in the Bible, and I guess he did miracles and died and then came back to life. That's kind of interesting. Now they have a knowledge of who Jesus is. They've heard the name. So the next time they hear the gospel, they go, oh, yeah, I've, I know. I've heard of Jesus. Okay, so didn't he? All right, so he wrote, you guys believe he died and rose again? That's pretty Oh, that's pretty crazy. And though, these are some of the things he said. Wow, those are really, I, I could really live my life by that. Then maybe they're out somewhere and somebody says something and they remember something the gospel presentation said. Well, I mean, love your neighbor, right? We're supposed to love our neighbors. Somebody said that. I think that was Jesus. Mm -hmm. So now they're, you know, they're positively disposed. Like, okay, yeah, I kind of, then maybe the next time you tell them, somebody comes up and tells them, you've got to bow the knee to Jesus. They might not like that. What are you talking about? I've got, I, I can't just admire the guy. Why do I got to do this? And <laughs> so then maybe the next person that meets him, they're hostile. I don't want to hear about what you Christians always, you just, you're so obsessed, but you know, you, you give it to them again and now they can't get it out of their mind and they're right. thinking about it. Then the next time, maybe they're a little more receptive. Like, I, I really have got to think this through. And then maybe the next time, okay, fine. I'll come to church and see what this is about. And then your pastor preaches and they're sweating bullets and they run out of the room and you feel like everything's been just terrible. But then the next time you call them, they're like, listen, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And then the next time they call, they're like, listen, man, my mom just died. And I don't know what to do. Just, does, does Jesus have anything to say about right. this? And then you're able to, I mean, it's a, every one of those interactions was a success because it was leading to that ultimate moment. That's a good right? point. Isn't and that a better way to, yes. to go about it? If and you're going to be each, talking to a hundred people in and one day? And each one was evangelism too. Yes. Because again, like we get this weird, and that's why I think we have this bad reaction in the church of like, well, you know, if the only way you can think of evangelism is basically like hammering on people, cold sales in the street. If they didn't say the sinner's prayer, you failed. Right. Then number one, <laughs> first of all, you, you are not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. That's just tactics. And I don't think that's good. Secondly, you're, you're, but you're going back to this other thing. That's also not evangelism. This is where we get this like lifestyle evangelism thing, which again, I, it's partially true. It's partially good. Like, but it has to come along with being willing to take the opportunities when the Holy Spirit opens them up. A perfect example in my life was my parents, you know, there was a family. My dad was, he moved to another state and he was working on car lots and he met a guy who was doing similar work on car lots. And one, you know, he's talking to this guy and he's hanging out with him. And, and then, you know, after a while he's seeing him everywhere and this guy's seeing my dad and my dad, you know, behaved differently than most guys who lived, worked on car lots. I'll just say that. So he, at some point they were like, Hey, you and your wife should come over for dinner. And so they came over to our house. Now, these people were, you know, he was a Mormon, I think, and his wife was like a, a, a Baptist or had grown up in a Baptist home. And their kids were crazy. And my, my parents were like, you know what? We're, these people are going to be our friends. We're just going to adopt these people. They're our friends now. And they kept inviting them over. We would go over to their house. We would stay over super late. My, my folks would be over there and we would like fall asleep at their house. Th those kind of friends, right? Over the process of several years of my parents saying, we're going to hang out with you. We're going to talk to you about your your problems and we're just going to be your friend. 
all of these opportunities to talk about the Lord came up. Why? Because they saw how my parents acted. They saw how we acted in, in the house. They saw that, you know, how my parents handled disputes and problems. And they would start asking questions like, well, why didn't you all yell at each other? Or like, I don't understand. Like you, you're, you know, this is the way you're doing this business thing. Like you're getting ripped off and all that. Right. What, what ended up happening is not only did they get saved, their kids got saved, their whole, like m other members of their family, his brother and his dad all get saved, right? Now, the Lord did all that through my parents' willingness to be patient and loving with them. And I don't know that the same thing would have happened if my dad had just like tried to close the sale, like you said, with him at the car lot. But it's also not the same. My, my parents didn't just be friends with them for 10 years and never talk about yeah. Jesus. They, they, they went through every open door immediately, but as the, as the spirit gave them opportunity. Yeah. So and, it's, and it's, it's, it's I'm, both those things. I am not opposed to people trying to, who try to close the sale. Not at all. Well, the church needs those people. Yes. But I've I, served I next to them and it's like, oh, to me, man. Do, would it be fair to say Praise that the that's the difference people. between doing the work? Cause we've talked about there's doing the work of an evangelist, which we all do. And then there's the gift of evangelism. Right. That's, Is that fair to say? That's what pe uh, Paul told that to Timothy. He said, do the work of an evangelist. Right. The implication being, Timothy, I know you. I know yeah. this isn't your thing, but you need to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a very hard time doing evangelism with somebody I don't know very well. Or, I mean, when I'm preaching, dude, I'll I'll preach hell sure. from the pulpit <laughs> yeah. in, in front of, like, anybody. Mm -hmm. But those one-on-one -on -one conversations are, are more difficult for me. Friends, I'm easier with. But, mm -hmm. man, I mean, one of our elders at the church here, Steve, is just... He's an evangelist. Right. He, he just will talk to anybody about Jesus. And you, you're talking to him in five minutes. He's talking about Christ. Yep. And I'm, I love it. And then uh, there's another guy at our church, totally different temperament, uh, Dewan, but he's an evangelist too. Mm -hmm. He just, every conversation he has with somebody, every relationship he has ends up being about Jesus. Right. Because it's, it's evangelism. It's doing the work. And to, in relation, but so, yes, but in relation to what we're talking about, moving the ball forward, Paul also says in 2 Corinthians, to some we are a fragrance of life to life, and to some a fragrance uh -huh. of death to death. Right. Because everywhere we take the fragrance, it compares God to a, like, incense. We're the fragrance of God everywhere we go. When you preach the gospel, somebody is hearing and experiencing and smelling, to use his image, the truth of God. How they respond to that, is, either way, you've done your job, Paul says. He says, to somewhere a fragrance of life, meaning when they heard that message, if we can use a sound analogy now, it was like the trumpets of glory and the hallelujah chorus because this was the day that God had ordained for them to pass from death to life. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. For somebody else, them hearing that message and rejecting it, that message was like the dies irae. It was doom. It was like, this is the end. This, right. is, your, this is your entry to hell. But it was the same message. Mm -hmm. Right, it's the same fragrance, and what Paul tells us—that's when he says, "By the way, who is sufficient for these things?" He's like, "You think that you're good enough to go out and do that job? You are vindicating God in His judgment for people that reject it, and you are vindicating God in His grace for those that accept it." Mm -hmm. And that's what we've got to remember: is while we labor, and the Paul says, "Knowing the fear of God, we persuade men." Mm -hmm. Are you and push? And sure. close and insist, right. right? I think when you're doing it cold, you should insist more than with somebody you know because you're probably not going to see this person again. Right. So just go all the way, right? Just take it there and let the Holy Spirit do his work. But you've got to know that not everybody is going to believe because not everybody, according to the scripture, has been predestined to believe. And I'm not going to dive into the doctrine, but that's just what it says. Yeah, it does. And when you proclaim the gospel, 
you're doing you're doing God's work. It takes all the it takes all the load off of your shoulders, right? Because it's not about it, it how should, well right? you. You're not, not sufficient for it, right? It's not yeah. about oh well, you know, if I had only said it in a certain way, you have no idea. Like you don't know. Like you're, the Bible says that you're just planting a seed, so you can't put that on yourself. <laughs> and, and isn't it true that like every story you hear about somebody who got saved, it's never the thing you think. Oh, and it's like a like terrible somebody who yeah, gets yeah, saved uh-huh. on a Sunday morning. Yep. It's never I'm like oh, this is the one. It's gonna get them. No. It's always like. Um, we'll just get through this one. It's it's good meat <laughs> potatoes, and then you know I actually gotta get get home. I'm not feeling so great, and then somebody gets saved that day, you, or like somebody. There's a pastor friend of mine in Virginia who was saved while he was, I believe, he was a drug addict at the time, watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special, <laughs> and Linus, you know, there were in the same country yep. shepherds abiding in their fields, and he heard that, and he goes, I, "That's that's true. I think I think that's real," and it. He went out and found the gospel because of that. Yeah. Like, or when we were at the at one of our prison events, a guy mm-hmm. gave his testimony. Another guy came up and taught the word and laid the gospel out. Nobody was saved. They said, Tyler, would you close in prayer? So I closed in prayer. And, you know, it's good to, in a situation, like pray the gospel again, right? And I had somebody, his name was Amir, came up to me and he said, hey, I, I really appreciated your prayer, man. And he said, would you, I asked him, I said, you know, what's going on? And he said, will you pray for me? And I said, sure. And I, and I told him, I said, I'm going to pray for you, but listen, until you, you call in the name of the Lord, you know, and I kind of repeated everything. And so I prayed for him and I say, amen. He doesn't let go of my hands. And he goes, hey man, can you save me? What he means is I want to, I want to become a Christian. So it, it was like, it wasn't this great testimony that was, I mean, impactful to me. It wasn't this great gospel message and every head bowed and every eye closed. It was just the prayer after the service to go, man, I really liked what he had to say. I'm just going to go tell him. It's like, and then, and now he's, he's going to be in heaven because of that. Mm-hmm. It's up to the Lord. There's so many stories of like, uh, that we get this, especially, That's I think. Some what of, you think. No, no. Some of our pa- or guys that are friends of mine that are pastors that have been around for forever. And you ask them like, well, what's your testimony? And you're expecting some like crazy story. And sometimes it's like really dumb stuff. I mean, I forget who it was. It was a guy that I knew. And he was like, somebody had is literally somebody had handed him a tract or no, 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 I forget who this was, but they had, they had, they were, at, he was at the beach and somebody had been so, he could tell they were so scared to read this track. They literally held the tract up in front of their face and read it verbatim to him out loud and then handed it to him. I think and, that's a Greg Laurie story. Yeah, maybe. And then like, was like his walked first, away. Yeah. And so like, literally it's like, if, if we were grading evangelism presentations, this one gets like a D minus. It's like, dude, like all yeah. you did was show up. But yet he took this and was like, oh my goodness. And he couldn't stop it's thinking like about it. It's like volleyball, man. Like right. it's bump set and the Holy Spirit spikes. Right. You know, yep, yep, and then yep. there's some in the church that, that, you know, maybe you're meeting this person and you're bumping the ball up. The next guy's going to set it up. And then, you know, the Lord is going to send a George Whitfield to spike it. And that, and then you score, right? So let's talk about just kind of get into some more the practicalities of this here. Um, I want to say first, many people in the church, not only don't like and are feel uncomfortable like myself going up to people cold and talking to them about the gospel. There okay. are some people that think it is wrong to do that and mm. they don't like that. And, and, you know, we talked about kind of the trendy, you know, use words of necessary thing, but there are some that take that to an extreme. And I think that this is, uh, these are tend to be Christians. I, in my experience who are much more secularized and have imbibed much more of the culture and they are they are aware of how silly it seems to other people, and they are they're so embarrassed by evangelists 
that they say, why do we do, we shouldn't do that. That's not what the Bible talks about, even though it's exactly what the Bible talked about. Paul went to the town square and just started hollering at people. Yep. Um, but to that person that says, I don't think we should be doing this. So it's, you, you know, let God do what God's going to do. Invite him to church. It's a pastor's job to evangelize anyway. Well, I, I love being the, the evangelist on behalf of somebody else who invites a cousin to church, something like that. But I will say this. People are activists about all manner of stupid stuff these days. Yes. That are willing to march in the street and break windows and uh, uh, glue their hands to the wall over all kinds of dumb stuff. I mean, some of it is serious, like we'd take it seriously, but some of it is just not. They're, they're <laughs> just silly, silly things. Or you see like protests at universities. Like, what is it about? Oh, they're, they're taking away vanilla pudding for lunches. It's like, really? And you guys are having a, a march over this? You know, it's it's this isn't like the, the bus boycott that you're doing here. Like, why are we taking this so seriously for? Everybody's an activist about something. Everybody cares about some cause and they'll tell you about it. You'll come to the end of your YouTube video and they'll be like, hey, I want to talk for a minute about this charity that I care about. Why can't we do that for the thing that, that matters more than any of that? Mm. To the point that now you start to see, and this is, I'm looking for jobs right now, so I'm actually seeing, you start to see now in job descriptions what's called a brand evangelist, which makes me really sad. Because what, what that means is that they're, they're literally, they're seeing what we're doing and saying, yeah, wh what if we had one of those? What, what if we had a guy that would like, just would always be sharing about our thing? And it's like, bro, if you can do that to make money, then surely you can like do that as a herald of the gospel. I'll, I'll say that we we live in an activist generation. Yeah. Um. It, it was there's that that John Mayer song when I was growing up, waiting on the world to change. Remember that song? <laughs> it's over. Nobody thinks that anymore. We're gonna change the world by force. Like that's right. okay. We cannot be less enthusiastic about the gospel than somebody is about like you know prairie dog rights or something like that. <laughs> Like really, yeah. we, we, we've got to, or even things like the climate or racism or however you feel about those things, things that tend to have more weight socially. The gospel is more than any of those things. And many people would rather evangelize for their certain doctrinal position or their political party more than they would for, for the gospel. Mm. So get it, get your priorities straight. And I will say too, once you start evangelizing once you start sharing the gospel with people, your recognition of the importance of those things will will take a backseat very quickly because you'll realize oh, yeah. how desperate people are and you'll realize how silly how you realize how silly your passion for this other thing was in comparison to the gospel. So, let, let's get some tips here Zach on on how to evangelize. And I'm we've talked about lifestyle evangelism, talk about with your friends um Greg Laurie used to go to the uh, the beach and stand by the water fountain and say, if you drink of this water, you will thirst <laughs> yep. again. But if you drink of the living water, Christ will give you. So that's cool, too. But um, let's talk about not having just th there's there's knocking on doors and talking about the gospel. Yes. I found when you're knocking on the doors, it's best to have something in addition to the gospel message to be talking about. For example, when we have our 5K that we do to support mm -hmm. our pregnancy center, we give people information about the 5K. And then they go knock on the door and we tell them, let somebody know about the event and then tell them about Jesus. Because what it does is it takes some of the pressure off of the person and also the person at the door recognizes, okay, so this is something that actually matters to me. And maybe they're a little more disposed to hear you. And um, there are some people that just rock and roll, you know, door-to-door -door evangelism. Mm -hmm. I know a pastor back in Lynchburg, he lives in Florida now, who went to the Mormon church website and started cold calling members of the church to talk to them about, and they were getting saved. Like five families <laughs> oh, in that place got gosh. saved to the where their their 
elder, whatever he's called, had a meeting with the church. Don't take a phone call from Al, what's his name? Because he'll, he'll deceive you. And like, I don't have that skill, but knocking on doors I and mean, have something else to, to talk yeah. about. How about just striking up a conversation, Zach? What, what I, I think the best way to evangelize in public is to strike up a conversation and direct it to Jesus. What, yeah. you, have, you got any tips for, for doing that? I mean, we used to, I, all this stuff, you're going to, look, two things you're going to have to do if you want to get better at evangelism. You're going to have to be around other people more, probably more than you do right now, more than you're comfortable with, right? You can't, it's very hard to do this from your home. Internet evangelism is a thing. I I do do it. It, it. The Lord uses it. It's great, but you should be talking to people too. And you're going to just make sure it's internet evangelism and not internet fighting in the comment section. Yeah, yes. Very different. It's not the same. Uh, not the same. Uh, <laughs> don't feed the troll and call right. it evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to have a, have a, don't, yeah. You're not rocking and rolling in, in r slash atheism <laughs> for the cause of Jesus. It usually doesn't work very well. Um, but I will say you'll also need to be ready to embrace the cringe a little bit. Like, by which I mean, like, you've got to be willing to step past that moment of, oh, this is going to be weird and cheesy and awkward. Sure, dude. Every conversation with a stranger is, it's chill out. It's fine. And and so what I usually do is like, let's say if we're at a restaurant and I need to get better at this, but if we're at a restaurant and we're, we're you know, do it, at, don't hold the poor server hostage at the end do it at the beginning when they've got time and they're okay and say if you're going to share the gospel you with better a waiter, tip son. you better tip them a hundred dollars yeah you better tip really well so don't give them one of those track oh no fake yeah bills. please please on, don't guys. do that that's terrible so but oh. like i said i know like because we're already cringing because we know that people have done this wrong but here's the thing that i have actually done that is actually helpful is i at the beginning they will come they'll get my order and i'll say hey like we're about to pray for our food is there something that we can pray for you and, and not just say, can we pray for you? But like, let that conversation go towards the Lord. And you would be shocked at how often a waiter or a waitress like stops down what they're doing. I've had people sit down in the booth and be like, yes, this is what's going on. Could like, I, could you pray with me? Maybe they're, people and then you find out. People will break down. Like, yep. They'll cry. Maybe like, they're saved and you get to encourage a brother or sister. That's fine. That's cool too. And maybe they're not. And all of a sudden you're having this spiritual conversation with someone and you get to lead it now. Don't just leave it as like, I'll pray for you. Okay, bye. Right. Go be warned, be filled. But you get to lead that conversation to, well, like, you know, I, I'm thankful that the Lord does that in my life and he cares for me. And like, do, do you want to like, hey, let's go to church next week. Like, you can do that. It's actually really quick. How You'd be shocked how ready some people are to have a spiritual conversation with you. Yeah. There's a lot of people walking around that are basically waiting for someone to push through and say, hang on a second. Like, have you considered your soul? And people are ready to have that especially conversation. People, especially today, people are so disconnected. Yes. And they're so, I mean, how many articles have been written about this disconnected generation? And, right. You know. That's not new, but it's very common. So you going up and asking somebody sincerely mm -hmm. about their life, and then not looking at your watch if they actually answer the question. Right. Uh, that that touches people. My Touch. mother will be in the grocery store line, and I'll go. You know, oh, we forgot to get broccoli, so I run and get the broccoli. By the time I get back, she's got her hand on this lady weeping and crying, right. praying for her. And then the next thing I know, like that lady's at our house a few days later, and like. I'm like, what happened? That that's just how she does it. So yeah, that's great. Here's yep. the here's what I like to, to do to strike up a conversation. And I made these rules for myself and taught them to the youth group. And this was one of like my most successful messages with them. They loved it. Is when you are out in public, first of all, unplug. You can't have your headphones in. Mm -hmm. I am the worst at this. Yep. I'm a I'm on a mission when I go in a store. But take your <laughs> headphones out. That's the first thing. Number two, eyes up. Yeah. You've got to be up with your eyes up and smiling, not like a big 
cheesy idiot, but have a pleasant look on your face so that when you, you know, and by eyes up, I also mean making eye contact with the people that are around you. That not, again, not like a creeper, but eye contact so that people see you and you're smiling. You need to slow down so that you're not walking, Tyler, so fast <laughs> that you blow right past people. Just you're right. walking at a nice, casual pace. You're not plugged in. Your eyes are up. You're smiling. And when you see somebody, you'd be surprised how many people will look back at you and smile right back at you. And that's when you say, good afternoon. Just greet people. Just get in the habit of greeting people while you're out. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, hey, how are you? Then then initiate a conversation. How are you doing? If they say, how are you? Have something ready better than just good. Say something to uh-huh. the effect of, right. well, we're barbecuing today, so I'm just picking up some steak for that. And if the person keeps walking, at any point in this process, somebody might move on, and that's okay. But they go, oh, you're doing, say, oh, you should have me over. Now you're talking. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking. Now, then just continue the conversation. Then you've got to learn how to pivot it to Jesus. Not like a freak, you know, although be a Jesus freak, but don't be like, yes, steak is great. Anyway, so uh, are you going to hell or heaven? <laughs> now, that might be very effective, but, yeah. I, you know, you have a conversation. You find a way to direct it to the Lord. It, you know, even if it's something like, yeah, we've got some people coming over today. It's going to be great. You know, oh, we got family coming. No, it's actually some friends from church. Right. right, right. Go, oh, all right. And you go, yeah, do you go to church? And then now you're you're having yep. a more or less spiritual conversation. I've literally had I've had that conversation. There was a lady. I, I wish she was still there because we I ended up that I was getting to talk to her about a bunch of different stuff and pray for her consistently and stuff. But there was a lady at the Piggly Wiggly that I go to all the time. I'm at the Piggly Wiggly like probably one to two times a day, unfortunately. And I I was in there and I was just see her checking out all the time. So finally I was like I just you know got my courage I was like I, sh- I should talk to her so I got her name and I asked her if I could pray for her and she said yes I'm trying to get through uh, nursing school so I said well I will 100% pray for that well now the next time that I see her I've got her name and this is why it's important sometimes to think about going to the same places yeah because you, sure. you you look be part of your community ha- let people get to know you acknowledge people when you recognize yeah them. 100% and, and like hey so good to see you again. I saw April now I'm talking to April and then she, I said well, you know Pretty soon, I would, one time I came through and I had toilet fittings and shit. Oh, looks like you made a mess. And I said, nope, this is for the church because I got to go back in. Now we're talking about the church. And like, by the time I was gone, I had told her about the church that we're going to, stuff that my family was doing, what the Lord was doing in our, our life. She had shared that her and her daughter are trying to go through nursing school together. I'm talking to her about that. And like, did I get to close the deal with her? No. But you know what? I got to spend a lot of time encouraging her, praying for her. And letting her know that there was somebody in town that loved her specifically for being her and that they were connected to this church and loved her because of Jesus. Yeah. And, and that to me is like, there you go, right? That's and, what you do. I, what I say is if you're in that conversation and you're talking, you know, you're talking about the Lord, if it turns out they're a believer, uh-huh, then uh-huh. fellowship with them. Right. And I like to press them a little bit and say, oh, you go to church? Yeah. So what would your pastor talk about on Sunday? <laughs> well, to be honest, I wasn't there on Sunday. Oh, why not? Well, I haven't been in a while. Come on, man. Don't you know? Well, yeah, why yeah. is that? And then you can press from there or maybe say, you know, I don't really I don't really go to church or, yeah, I don't really believe in God. It's like, oh, really? And you don't need to go, why not? I mean, that's fine, depending on how that, I mean, read the room a little mm-hmm. bit. But you say, say oh, man, I, I, I believe in God. I believe in God and I believe in his, his son, Jesus Christ. That's, that, that's the, that means everything to me. All you've done is just expressed that. And now, you know, try, try your best to get the whole gospel in the conversation. And, you know, it's like, so, because some people will say, what, what do you believe? So, I believe that 
Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came to the earth, died on the cross, and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And if we believe in him, he'll forgive us our sins and he'll take us to heaven one day. And then, I mean, how are they going to react to that? Right. So, well, that's, a, that's pretty crazy. You go, oh, that's not crazy. It's wonderful. It changed my whole life. Just give your testimony. I can be like, it changed my whole family, man. We were living in the ghetto and all kinds of problems. And the Lord has just lifted us up out of that. It's transformed everything. And that that's that's just basic First of all, most of that is just learning how to initiate a conversation with a stranger. That's true. You know, if you're sitting on a bus, if you're sitting on the plane, if you're sitting, you know, people will give you signals if they don't want to talk. Sure. But also, but, I've had I've had great spiritual conversations. And most planes. people want to talk. Yep. You'd be surprised. Read, most people right. are more than it's happy like to said. talk to you. Read the room. Have some social skills. I what I how do many is, times have you complained? Uh-huh. And say nobody ever talks anymore. <laughs> well. Know. Be the change you want yeah. to see in the world. Right. No, I, uh, that happens on planes. Because usually you said, be polite. What I'll do on a plane is I will, I, sometimes I try and make it a point of if I, because it's travel and you haven't had, you know you haven't had your devos, you're traveling. So I'll pull my Bible out and sit there and read it on the plane in front of Oh in, yeah, in front of what people. is that? What are you All reading? All the time. Yep. And I've had several conversations like, well, what are you reading? I was like, well, I'm reading, you know, this and And don't just say, I'm reading my Bible. Duh. They saw that. They saw it on the on the cover. Come on. I say, oh, I'm reading First Corinthians because, you know, and I, I explain that I'm reading about this. I'm reading about that. And so many conversations and usually you i throw one thing out and i see if they come back and then they they oh they ask a question well, i throw another thing out and pretty soon they're the one pushing the conversation now they're asking me questions and all this stuff and it happens really easily you'd be surprised sometimes it's it's only because we haven't asked the question that you don't get these conversations yeah. a really good pastor friend of mine he's how he does this with his church is he tells his guys on staff he says at one t- point in the week you have to be out of the church building and he says, I don't care where you are, but you cannot be here. You have to go to the same place every week in town. He said, get a gym. Just be out. Yep. Be he around. said, get a gym, pick a hobby, run an errand to the same place. He said, I don't care. But he said, I'd prefer it somewhere where you can actually talk to people. What he does is he builds into his workday that he goes to the gym during the day at the same time every week. And he, he that way, you're going at the same time. You're going to see the same people. And so he, and he, he says... What did he tell me? He said like three to five families have started coming to their church because of conversations he's had just at the gym. Yeah. And, and he said the reason he makes guys do that That's is That's why it's I so don't mind easy. leaving church early to go to the ball field with my sons. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, well, what is more important? Like that you get that, you, know, you get one admin task done. Look, you'll get it done. But you're now living a real life where you're going to get to talk to unsaved people. And yeah. so, yeah, it might require some changes in your schedule, but it's, it's good. Yeah. That's what you're here for, right? Yeah. Now we'll take another day and we'll talk about apologetics about mm-hmm. having uh, sure. having answers to common questions or common attacks. Yep. Um, most of it involves, uh, well, the goal of apologetics is always to do evangelism. The goal of, which apologetics means defense. The goal of apologetics is to move people past their intellectual hurdles or sometimes just their gut instinct reactions to actually have a conversation about their heart. And that's what evangelism is. So Zach, as, as we kind of come to an end, let's, let's reemphasize this, that evangelism is a spiritual discipline. This is mm-hmm. something you have to discipline yourself to do. And it's something you do. It's active. You're something doing for other people. But this grows you as a Christian. I mean, you it grows you in your faith because you have to defend it. It reminds you that there are people that are dying and going to hell. It reminds you the salvation that you have. Uh, it forces you to pray. It grows you in the other disciplines, yeah. Yeah, it teaches you. It, it engages you with the Holy Spirit who is within you, who's going to be ministering with you and alongside you as you as you serve and as you share the gospel. And uh, it, this is, man, this is where the rubber meets the road. If you're praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you and you never share the gospel, I mean, good luck. 
The, the, the spirit yeah. is so that we can proclaim the good news. And, and there's a whole other conversation we had here about don't be afraid to pray for people if they're sick. Or if, I mean, yep. ask the Lord to, to verify the word with signs and wonders. It's a whole other decision, but uh, conversation. But today we're, we're just talking about this is a discipline that you need to do. You are commanded to do it in Scripture. You are obligated to do it. And all the people around you guys, they're without Jesus. They're dying and they're going to hell. Do not be the the silent voice in their life. They need to know. Don't assume, well, I think they're a Christian. Find out. Right. <laughs> Find out. Especially if you're romantically involved in a person. But appeal, I mean, guys. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, Tyler. Make your appeal to the world. This is why we're here. This yeah. is why Christ's return is delayed so that all men might come to repentance. And I think it's a good there's a good reason why we discussed this one last is in a way this kind of operationalizes all of the other disciplines, right? Like the church before evangelism, it's almost like we're like a peacetime army where it's like, look, we've got to train, we've got to do these things for what? We, we don't you, you don't do the push-ups to do the push-ups. You're doing the push-ups as a soldier because well, you got to be strong when you're on the battlefield, <laughs> right? Yes, and and evangelism exactly right. is the battlefield. So so it's going to push you a little bit and you're going to find the gaps in your other disciplines, right? You will find out really quickly, oh, I can't do this without being prayed up. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was sharing with somebody and then they asked me a question. I, I, need, I need to make sure I know where in the Bible that is, right? All these other disciplines we talked about, they, they, are, they are put into practice when you get onto the, the battlefield of spiritual warfare. And so right. I think it's, it's a good, it will help you then go back and make sure you're shoring up and strengthening those other areas in your spiritual life as well. Right. Well, that brings us to the end here. We've talked about 10 spiritual disciplines, Bible reading and Bible study. We talked about prayer, meditation, and fasting. Those were our personal disciplines. We had the corporate disciplines of tithing, worship, and fellowship. And then today we looked at the active disciplines of service and evangelism. And as I've said, you can you can mess with that list and come up with some other ones if you like or condense a few, but that's how, how we did it. And I will close this this segment of our podcast by reminding you that this is how you grow as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And these things do not change. You're, you're going to be doing these things when you're 90. Yep. And you're not going to discover some secret. Christianity is not a mystery religion. Mm. You don't some someday become initiated into the real deal. This is what you do. If you feel like you're weak as a Christian or that Christianity is boring, or if you feel like your life is falling apart and you got to get back, y'all, these are the things that you do. It's never going to change because God doesn't change. And if you are, I, I, I there is no person that is doing all of these things and is doing them well and doing them into the right attitude and the right heart who will backslide hmm. or who will be burned out or any of those things that we talk about. They will not be tempted by other false teachings or by other sins because they will, they will have cultivated that disciplined heart of a disciple to the Lord. So you've got to do these things. You've got to make a plan, make a plan that isn't going to discourage you. We talked about that a lot at the beginning, but y'all, this is how we grow as Christians. These are the things we do. We, we focus, rightly so, on the things that we believe, but there are things you've got to do as well. And if you say, well, I'm having trouble, I've sinned so much, spiritual disciplines. Mm. I fail so much, spiritual disciplines. I doubt so much, spiritual discipline. Get your soul in line by the power of the Holy Spirit in accordance with God's word. Yep. It really does. It produces, and sometimes you got to start backwards, right? You can't. If you want to be strong, you've got to go lift the weights. Yep. You don't have to feel fast. You got to run. Right. You don't have. You're not going to feel strong before you are strong. 
So it's the same thing with this. Look, if you're feeling tired or dry in your spiritual life, start with the deadlift and then you're going to feel better. You're not going to feel better when you know in your heart that that dryness is a, it's a good marker. It's telling you, hey, get back in the word, get back in prayer, get back in serving. That, that's It's there for a reason. It's a signal. So listen to it. Do the, do the thing first, and then the Lord will bless you with those emotions that are good, that you want to have. He'll bless you with the the consistency that you need, but it starts with kind of getting, getting the reps in. Yep, this is the answer to the question. How do I grow as a Christian? How do I abide in Christ? Mm-hmm. These are the things that you do. You know what they are. They're not a secret. So let's go out and do them. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Ironworks Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.